Please remain standing as you're able. And as we come before God's word, would you join me in reciting what Jesus called the great commandment? We begin in Hebrew and then do the English together. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Ahad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We've been in 1 Corinthians this summer, and we uh, last week were about the Corinthians dividing in the Lord's Supper into kind of first class and economy. And so Paul fights that, and now a new issue comes about in chapter 12. I'm going to read from the Common English Bible a few verses, beginning in verse 12 of chapter 12, and then skipping to verse 23. Christ is just like the human body. A body is a unit and has many parts, and all the parts of the body are one body, even though there are many. We were all baptized in one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, or slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Certainly the body isn't one part, but many. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, does that mean it's not a part of the body? If the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, does that mean it's not a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, what would happen to the hearing? And if the whole body were an eye, or excuse me, were an ear, what would happen to the sense of smell? Moving forward to verse 23, uh, God has arranged things so there won't be division in the body and the parts that he might that he gave might have mutual concern for each other if one part suffers all parts suffer with it and if one part gets the glory all the parts celebrate with it you are the body of christ and you are parts of each other this is the word of the lord thanks be to god be seated please some people it seems are very slow learners Some people, it seems, need to touch the stove a number of times before they figure out uh, that it is hot. And I believe that's a pretty good description for the Corinthians. All the way through this summer, going back to chapter 1, we have found the Corinthians again and again fighting and dividing over almost any issue. They started dividing by which preacher they liked best, whether they liked Paul or Apollos or Peter. Then they started fighting over who was really smart, who was a wise person, who qualifies as wise. Then they divided over whether or not you should get married. They divided over what kind of food you should eat or not eat and whether you should accept an invitation to a banquet if it were at a at a pagan temple. And then last week, as Matt told us, they divided even at the Lord's Supper itself, and they divided into people who were sort of first class and got the best food and the the best wine, and other people who ended up in another room, and some then were filled and even drunk, and others left hungry. And just when you think there's nothing else they can divide about, there's more. This time, as we come to 1 Corinthians 12, they're dividing over the issue of spiritual gifts. Now, I think simply uh, put, a spiritual gift is an ability or talent given by God, and it's usually given to uh, build up the church and advance uh, the purposes of Christ. And some of the um, spiritual gifts are more notable. They're more public. Uh, Perhaps uh, they are more exciting than other gifts. And so earlier in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul mentions Four of these gifts that have excited uh, the Corinthians, they've been excited over miraculous healings, they've been excited 
over a prophetic words, a word that God would speak through a person to situation. They've been excited over special um, uh, times of knowledge where God gives them a knowledge of something that they just couldn't have gotten any other way other than supernaturally. And then they seem most excited in Corinth about the gift of speaking in heavenly languages called speaking in tongues. But it's not enough that they're excited about it, but now they're sort of arranging and dividing themselves over these spiritual gifts. And the ones who are able to speak this heavenly language now are claiming superiority over those who do not have that gift. And so there's almost now like a pecking order, and they have found yet again a way to divide their church. Now they're divided by, my gift is better than your gift, even though all the gifts come from God. Now, the good news is that in 2,000 years, things haven't really changed all that much. There are still pockets of the church that elevate certain spiritual gifts over others, or certain, or feel like certain spiritual gifts are perhaps holier, or they're more in direct line in communication with God than other gifts, and and divisions often result. Uh, My favorite preacher, the late Fred Craddock, was speaking once at a conference, and before he went in to speak, a woman caught him in the lobby, and she said to him, she said, are you, I need to know, are you a spirit-filled Christian? He said, well, yes, I am. And then she said, no, I need to know, are you charismatic? He said, well, yes, I am. And he said, I need to know what's your spiritual gift? And he said, my gift is teaching. And she went, ha, and walked away and didn't go into the conference. There's this sort of elevation sometimes that we have. Some years ago, we had a conference at our church, uh, and, and, and the emphasis was on the many and the different gifts of the Holy Spirit. But some of the people who had the more exciting gifts, like the ones that are mentioned in Corinth, I found out that were also sometimes some of the most dysfunctional people. Some of the ones who could speak in tongues or who had laid their hands and got it, uh, on people and God had healed them, wonderful gifts, were also the same people that came and removed books from our library window because they didn't like those books and didn't think you should be reading them. They were also, some of these folks treated me, the pastor with the gift of teaching, as if I were their servant and treated the staff as if, well, they were menial They saw themselves, some of them, not all, they saw themselves as a higher level of Christian than the rest of us. And I think those who really do have the spiritual gifts, whatever they be, whether they be tongues, healing, or teaching, those who know themselves truly to be a gift from God, don't really have that attitude. They see themselves as using the gift to serve other people. But for the Corinthians, it was a temptation to lord it over someone else in the church. I have this gift, and you don't. So Paul, finding yet another reason that these people are going to divide against each other, goes to his bag of tricks and pulls out an old one, a real old one. And he uses what is known as the fable of the body. And he talks about how the body has different parts. Now, we believe, we don't know for sure, but we think the fable of the body goes all the way back to Aesop and Aesop's fables which are going to be several hundred years before Paul. We know that uh, there was a a famous Roman senator who used the fable of the body, but he used it for a different way. He said to the, uh, the different regions and provinces of the empire that we're all one body, but Rome is the stomach, and if you don't feed us, you're going to die. And so he used it to say, we are all one body, but we're better than you, and we're more important than you. But Paul takes this 
fable and uses it to say something completely different. I think here's what Paul is saying. I think Paul is saying, regardless of our spiritual gift, we are all equally important. And in fact, when our bodies are not functioning well, it doesn't matter whether it's a public exciting part of our body or a non-public non-exciting part of our body. If it's not working, there's a problem. So, for, for example, most of you cannot see my liver this morning, I would assume. But I guarantee you, you would be able to tell if my liver was not functioning properly. You could probably tell in one look. Sometimes because something seems less public, seems less fantastic, seems uh, gets less attention, does not mean it is less important. In fact, Paul wants to argue that it is every bit as important. And so it is that, uh, that um, we, we talked to the children about, even Jesus saw that a lot of folks in Jesus' day didn't see the children as important because they were younger, they were smaller, and Jesus said, let them come to me. The kingdom of God belongs to me. He was saying, just because someone is small... They are not insignificant. Because someone is a tax collector like Zacchaeus, they are not insignificant. Every part is important. Years ago, uh, I had a car in the 80s. And it was when they were first starting to computerize things on uh, a car. And I know you've probably heard about how fast cars can go from zero to 60. Well, I had an experience one day of how fast a car can go from 60 to zero. Because my car completely shut down on the highway, when it got towed in to the place and they found the part that was broken in the computer, it was smaller than my two fingertips put together. But it had effectively had shut down the whole body. Paul's just reminding us, everyone is important whether they've got a public gift that everyone can see or a gift that seems to be less public. And I think he would also insist that everyone has to play their part no matter how wonderful or how, how normal and mundane it must seem, but it takes all of them. Uh, if you're like me, you've watched some of the Olympics. And uh, you know, of course, about our Olympic gymnasts, the uh, final five. Many people say they're the greatest uh, gymnastic team in history. And in fact, I've heard comparisons of them to the 1927 New York Yankees and, uh, and, and other great dynasties in sports. But I didn't watch much of them. But I noticed that toward the end of the team competition, they were on the balance beam, and there are five on the team. But do you know that not all five do the balance beam? There are certain events, and three of them will do this, and three of them will do this, and three of them another. They don't all have the same part that they play, but when it is their turn, they play their part. And that's what makes the difference. Same way, you perhaps watch the swimming and you know what a medley is, where they'll, they'll have different strokes within a race. And of course, a, a relay medley will have different people swimming different, um, different strokes. And so perhaps maybe the most glamorous might be the freestyle. Maybe it's not, but somebody's got to do the backstroke. Somebody's got to do the breaststroke. Somebody's got to do the butterfly. And it takes all four of them together doing their part. The body is the same way and spiritual gifts are the same way. It takes all of us together to do our different tasks for the body to function well. So Paul wants to say everyone is important, not just the stomach like the Romans uh, were teaching. Everyone is vital. And I think he also wants to say, and, and we're all in this together. Because if we're not in this together, we're not going to get the job done. So when I think about the body analogy, I, I will think, okay, if the church has hands and feet and ears and eyes and a nose, 
what part of the body am I? Well, I like to think I'm the brain. But then I rethink it and realize that I'm probably a mouth. But do you know, to stand up here and be a mouth for 20 minutes is not just up to me. There are people working the sound. There are ushers that greet you at the door, that get you situated. There are worship planners that plan the whole flow of the morning service. There's a, a choir or musicians that lead us in, um, in worship. Uh, there are people who carry out functions so that I can go to the library on Wednesday afternoon and Thursday to work on the message. And then there's wonderful people at Trinity University Library who keep buying really good books on biblical subjects and stacking them in their library that I use. So much has to function together for me to go and be a mouth. And while I might be the most public in some ways, I'm not the most important because it takes all of us together. And Paul says, since it takes all of us together, then our fates are linked together. Uh, We are either going to suffer together or we'll be honored together, depending on how things go. Paul says, if one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. Have you had this experience? You don't have to have your whole body in pain for you to be in pain. All it takes is one part. A friend of mine uh, just finished hiking uh, large parts of the Colorado Trail in Rocky Mountain National Park. And unfortunately, after several days, he got a blister on his toe. Not a great blister, but a blister. Not on all of his body, but just on his toe and effectively shut him down for two days. If one part suffers, all the parts are affected. And conversely, when one part is honored, it's really an honor for everybody. I mean, look what happens when somebody wins a medal race, right? The camera switches and we see mom, dad. We see fiancé, we see child, we see other athletes from other sports who have come from that country to watch this event. And you get the sense that a victory for one was a victory for all. In fact, one of my minor gripes about the Olympics is that coaches don't get medals. And trainers don't get medals. But the medal is only worn by one, but the sense is... Everyone participates in it. So Paul's trying to tell the Corinthians, you keep looking for ways to divide each other and to be hierarchical about your gifts. I want you, whatever your gift is, from tongues to prophecy to administration to serving, whatever your gift is, I want you to use it together and the body will prosper because we're all in this together. And because, as you probably know, together we can go further than any of us can go alone. And uh, they say that in mountain climbing, if you will climb with people, you will climb further and higher than if you climb by yourself. And in matters of faith, it's exactly true. It requires all of us participating to go forward. And when we are all together playing our parts, whatever they are, more public, more private, more seemingly uh, Uh, amazing, more mundane, whatever the gift is, when we play it and we contribute together, um, we together all get further. And so Paul notices that this is not, spiritual gifts are not something to divide us. They are something to unite us. And we will go only as far as our gifts will take us together. Now, we're not going just for our own purposes, though. 
Um, I have a friend, uh, Chris Estes, uh, who leads our church's recovery ministry. And you've probably all heard of the 12 steps of AA, but he says also AA has 12 traditions. And the first of the 12 traditions is our personal recovery depends on our unity. In other words, individually, we only do as well as we are all in this together. And I think Paul knows that. But there's something bigger at stake than our own personal growth and our own personal recovery. Because what's at stake, says Paul, is that we are the body of the Messiah. We are the body of Christ. And a lot of what Jesus wants to do in this world, Jesus wants to do through us. You probably remember years ago after World War II, um, uh, there was a statue of Jesus that was found in Germany, and the hands had been blown off. And so uh, a citizen there in Germany, a Christian, made a cardboard placard and put it where the hands were. And you may remember it says, Christ has no hands but your own. Well, that's sort of true. I'm pretty convinced that Jesus can do things without me and is perfectly capable But I'm also convinced that in the wisdom of Jesus, Jesus has called us his body and has called no other group his body. And things he wants to do on this planet, in many ways, he wants to do through us. So it's not just our own personal health and growth that's at stake when we work together. It's actually the health and the mission of the body of Christ. These aren't wonderful days for the church in America or across the world, especially in Western Europe. Um, There's more and more critique every day of things that the churches do wrong. There's more and more documentation of how people participate less than they used to in their church and dire predictions of where it might go in the next 25 years. And I'm not here to even dispute or debate that. But I will say what is indisputable, according to Paul, is like the church or hate the church. Appreciate or don't appreciate The church is the divinely instituted um, gift of God called the body of Christ. And Jesus needs us all to work together to do the things Jesus wants to do. Think of the big problems in our world. Racism, poverty, loneliness, violence, intolerance. Think of all this and you realize that most of those problems have their solution in the human heart. And then think about this. Of all the institutions on the planet, which is the one that is specifically geared and designed to work with the human heart? It is the body of Christ. What we are about is not just our own growth and health, but we're about the health of our community and the health of our world that needs us to function together and to function well. There's a story told about a professor in a college town who went to a church one day, his church, and he noticed one of his students there. He'd never seen her there before, so on Monday he just asked her before class, hey, did I see you at my church um, yesterday? And she said, well, uh, yeah, I was at such and such a church. He said, was that your first time there? She said, yes. And, and he said, well, I'm just curious, how does that compare with the other churches that are in town near the campus? And she said, I've never been to a church before. That was the first time I've been to any church. So the professor just couldn't resist. He said said to her, how was it? She said, it was scary. Scary, said the professor. Scary, she said. And so he asked, what was it about the church that was so scary? She said, I walked in and I sat there for a while and it didn't take me long to realize, hey, this stuff is important. This stuff is important. It's important for us. 
and it's important for the world, and it's too important to be left to individuals working on their own. It's too important for us not to use our different gifts and work together.